0: Very warm welcome, everybody, to Squawk Box. We are live from Davos. I'm Jeff Cutmore.
1: Yes, once again, and I'm Steve Sedgwick. And these are your headlines:
0: a digital tax truce. French President Emmanuel Macron and U.S. President Donald Trump reach an agreement to avoid a levy on big tech, a big tech even, and retaliatory tariffs on French goods until the end of this year.
1: But Davos bracing for a showdown between Trump and Greta Thunberg as both the American president and the 17-year-old climate activist prepare to take the stage at the World Economic Forum today. In the meantime, Asian equities have turned negative amid heightened concerns over the spread of a virus in China that is being compared to the SARS outbreak.
0: And Moody's cuts Hong Kong's credit rating, saying officials have no tangible plans to address the current unrest in the territory. We're going to speak to Chief Executive Carrie Lam. That's a first on CNBC at 16.30 CET today.
2: And I'm Juliana Tattelbaum. Also coming up on this show, UBS delivers a beat with its strongest fourth quarter since 2010 and adjusts its financial targets. Hear from CEO Sergio Ermati at 745 CET.
0: So a very warm welcome to our coverage of the World Economic Forum. We'll be bringing you Squawk Box from Davos, over the
1: next three days. Yeah, I know, and it's a big anniversary this year, is it? Your fifty? 50- oh no, sorry, it's West's fiftieth. I thought it was your fiftieth time. Just here. Feel, feels like that. <laughs> just working with me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we got three hours of top guests, live events, as I mentioned. Big anniversary for Jeff. You must be on twenty now, aren't you? Oh, at least uh, well, I,
0: I do have. I think <laughs> I did get the diamond pin a few years ago. <laughs> but, because, so you'll be in line for that. But, soon. but do
1: the ones in China count as well as the ones here, or are they kind of subsidiary events? Like your proficiency badges when you're a scout, yeah, you don't get a full one for it. Look, I think they all count. Okay. It's, it certainly feels
0: like <laughs> they got the war count. scars. So you were uh, you were talking about Greta Thunberg and uh, oh, Donald Trump yeah, together. They're not actually going to meet each other. Well, I, don't I, d- I suddenly popped into my head. You remember the the grappling in the eighties, two falls and a submission. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, it's just an evil
1: look at the US. Well, that was that extraordinary, so wasn't it? I mean, you never know whether the camera lied or not. But yeah, Greta Thunberg there as Trump walked through with his uh, entourage, oh. and there was a scowl of indignation, wasn't it? Absolutely. Well. But
0: today, uh, clearly, the president will be. Uh, The big act here, President Donald Trump is due to take the stage to deliver a keynote speech that will be 11.30 CET. The president is due to arrive in Switzerland in a few hours' time. His highly anticipated participation here at the World Economic Forum comes after he was forced to skip the annual event last year due to the US government shutdown. He'll be meeting a series of foreign leaders whilst his impeachment trial continues to move
1: along. I was just home. thinking, though, if, 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 he, if hopefully it's not in our show that he does wheels down, because this is the bit where you have to talk ad infinitum about Air Force One being the call sign and the plane and the beast, and you become like a just kind of, a, well, dare I say it, more general reporter.
0: Yeah, well, you <laughs> turn into one of the dimble bits at a royal event, <laughs> <don't> you? <laughs> Your Majesty is stepping down from
1: and the... And um, the carriage is from the 1820s. Let's, let's talk about this digital tax as well because yes.
0: this is quite interesting. We were expecting there to be a few fisties on this over the next few days, particularly with Mr Mnuchin and, and um, uh, the, the French uh, uh, Bruno Le finance Mair. minister, yeah. Bruno Le Maire. But it looks like we're already breaking ground here. Don't, president you believe, Trump, it?
1: President Don't you Trump, believe it.
0: President Trump <laughs> and the French president, uh, Emmanuel Macron, appear to have reached a truce over the digital tax already, putting on hold their fight over the levy on tech giants such as Google and Amazon until the end of this year. Officials from both sides have indicated that the two leaders have reached a detente, which also avoids Washington imposing retaliatory tariffs on French goods like champagne, cheese and handbags. Macron said he had, quote, great discussions with Trump and that they would continue to work together to avoid further economic sanctions. Do you
1: know the most important three words you said there? Champagne. Not, not cheese-wise. <laughs> no, <yeah, yeah. laughs> You'd say that. Putting on hold. Okay. It was the same at Biarritz right. at the G7 in August, yeah. and it's the same in 2020. It worth. Anyway, look, let's move on. The other big headline act at the World Economic Forum, as we said, comes in the form of 17-year-old activist Greta Thunberg, who speaks on a panel and in a keynote address in Davos today. The event itself has been criticised for putting climate change at the top of the agenda, while activists argue that delegates planning uh, to, to arrive on private planes represent some of the worst environmental offences. Well, we'll bring you Greta's panel live at 8.30 Central European Time, as well as her keynote at 1300 CE. So, very often, mm. the criticism from many of us is that Davos gets it wrong. Wrong topics, wrong time. Well, I would suggest a couple of their topics do look very important, but whether anyone's going to listen or not remains to be seen. Stakeholder capitalism and climate are the two they've put right at the top of the list. Uh, the Global Risk Report last week, where I interviewed the president of WEF as well. Top five issues were all around the environment and climate. And, of course, they put out a lot of pieces on stakeholder capitalism. These are very important issues. My big issue is, is anyone listening? Uh
0: they definitely are listening, and it's very easy to write off events like this as a big opportunity for the great and good to gather and swill champagne, which will no longer uh, be sanctioned by President Trump. But the reality is there are two things going on here. One is that the efforts are being made, I think, to improve issues like sustainability and ESG more broadly. But the other thing is, actually, the world is just moving in that direction anyway. If you listen to people like Andrew McAfee, the MIT Economist, He's got a great book out at the moment where he talks about the dematerialization that the world is going through anyway. And the irony is that as we begin to focus on these issues, a lot of the underlying problems will start to be reduced anyway because we are... Buying less stuff than we used to because that's I'll come back to that point. Because we've got a great desk, mobile guest, mobile phones. Talk about we this. do have a great guest. Yeah. Let's get on to this. Um, so let's just tell you a little bit about the day's guests. If we can pop up the order queue, we've got a big show coming up today. This hour we hear from Jean-Pascal Trichard, Chairman and CEO of Schneider Electric, J.C. Decaux, Chairman and Co-CEO Jean-Francois Deco. We're also going to speak to uh, Bob Van Dijk, uh, the Group CEO of NASPERS, uh, Martin Gilbert, Vice Chairman at Standard Life Aberdeen has already spoken to you. He did I last know. night,
1: indeed. Yeah, big yeah. fan of Boris Johnson. I can tell you that much. Uh, so let's get to our next guest. Uh, Carmen
0: de is with us, global chairman and CEO of EY. Carmen, very good to have you with us. Very good morning to you. Great to be here. Look, Great before to before, to you guys. before well thank you very much. Um that's a rare compliment. Um before we talk about the environmental stuff and some of the ESG stuff, I just want to ask you about something that's bothering me. So the IMF came out and they've downgraded the global glo- global growth outlook. And yet, we have a phase 1 trade deal. We have progress on a digital agreement between France and the United States. We are heading towards phase 2 China trade deal. Where is the Trump bump for the early part of 2020 if the IMF and Ms. Gogieva is telling us that growth is going to be weaker, not stronger?
3: Yeah. So <clears throat> thanks for having me. It's uh, to be honest with you, I had the same question uh, because I, I do think, you know, when I was on a few months back, we talked a lot about uncertainty in particular around Brexit, in particular, around the trade deal, those are pretty much behind us. Uh, And at least the Phase One deal, um, there hasn't been a lot of criticism around the Phase One deal. Even you know, the other the the Democratic side in the U.S. has not criticized the Phase One deal much. Now maybe they're criticizing other things, but that's that is a good start. Um, So I am confused myself. If you look at the numbers in terms of what the IMF has put out, there's there's you know, obviously they they downed it by 0.1. I think a lot of that to be honest, has to do with India the the downgrade in India um, because that is, that you know they did downgrade India, India is going through some structural problems liquidity problems, so I I think that was maybe more the factor there, but I do agree the words around it could be more positive with the same numbers. Well well, let me ask you about that optimism
0: vs pessimism because I remember we sat here a year ago and people were in their cups, the CEOs didn't think it was going to be a good year. We'd come off a bad fourth quarter for markets. Then we had a Fed pivot. Things got a whole lot better. It's been a phenomenal year for investors if they were in the game through the year. Here we are today. We've potentially got a Boris bump. We've potentially got a a Trump bump. We're talking about uncertainty fatigue. When are we going to know just what this year looks like, do you think? When should we start shifting our conclusions? I'm
3: actually pretty positive about the year. I, I do think as we go into the first couple of months here, you are going to see more of a bump because of the uncertainties that are not there anymore. So in Europe, you know, the UK, I'm very bullish on the UK longer term. I actually think if the UK uh, does what they need to do in terms of some of these deals with Europe, with the U.S. and so forth, I think the UK is a great place to be. And, and I think longer term, uh, it's a pro-business environment. If they're if they do the right things in terms of taxes and so forth, I think the UK will be very attractive and going yeah, forward.
1: And yet I'm going to be really repetitive and go back to previous conversations with Mark Weinberger as well, if I may, you know, <laughs> he, uh, previously of e. A. why? Why... Isn't that money translating into anything other than more buybacks? Billions and billions of dollars of buybacks rather than capital spending. Mark was of the mind that capital spending would take off aggressively in 2019. Yeah. I, I I, still have my concerns that companies are still thinking very short term rather than investment in the future.
3: I think capital spending right now, you have to look at what, what's actually in that number because... There are a lot of people hiring. Hiring is capital spending, you know, but that might not really go into the number that, that you guys all report. But if you look in the U.S. in terms of jobs, um, the job market, you know, is, is could not be better. Um, wages are increasing. Could be better. Said wages could be better. But wages are... Go- getting better. Wages are getting better and I think they're going to continue to get better. Um, So if you look at, you know, many places are imposing, you know, minimum wages that are higher than normal. I mean, that part is improving and companies are investing in people.
1: Well, let's walk down the line with that then. Um, if wages are getting better and things are good, then the Fed can't remain on hold throughout 2020. That's going to create a problem because where's my number? I love this number. This is from Tim Adams, as ever. $253 trillion of debt in the global economy. There's a problem there, isn't
3: there? Yeah, well, that's that's going to be the balance, I would agree with you. I mean, the Fed here is going to be more and more in a tight spot in terms of what it needs to do if things get better. This is always going to be around a balance, Steve. Yeah.
0: Let's come back to the um, the core themes here then and just, yeah. just get some opinion from you obviously coming into this we've had uh, another letter from uh, Blackrock Larry Fink saying the stakeholders need to get on board here um, just give us your sense of what progress is being made ab- around these issues of
3: stakeholder capitalism and progress on ESG goals yeah well thanks for that question if you think about it uh, everything that I'm hearing here from from our clients from our C from CEOs and, and from my friends um, it's amazing I'm not hearing a lot around AI I'm not hearing hearing a lot around, you know, Hmm. the fourth industrial revolution. It's there, but everything today is around stakeholder capital and climate. Um, And I will tell you, Larry Fink's letter came out in the U.S., but I have seen a massive difference in the last six months in talking to U.S. CEOs in terms of sustainability and climate. It, It is, it is, it's almost remarkable to me, the U.S. has gotten much more on board uh when it comes to climate and it's something that they are all focused on and I, I would even say a year ago the u.s was not so much bought in but obviously europe was uh, and that continues so now there's a lot of conversation in terms of what a company is going to do to really create a circular economy what are you going to do to reduce your carbon footprint we at ey we just i just took our uh, uk leader and made him our global vice chair in charge of sustainability.
1: Just a very quick one, because we've got to go. I've been told yeah, yeah. to wrap. But but just in terms of the business model, a lot of concerns about the consulting auditing business model on both sides of the Atlantic as well. Does ESG offer you guys a rare bit of light, actually, the fact that there's going to be a whole new section in every report that needs auditing,
3: that actually kind of gives a little bit of a boost to that side of the business? You know, Steve, it, it might, but that's a small yeah. piece here. Uh, the broader good here is important. And, and I really feel that the world is... Up. On this now, um, and it's on it in a big way, and I think there will be improvement. We at EY, we've committed to be carbon neutral in 2020. Think about it. Yeah. We have a lot of people that travel everywhere, so obviously we're going to have to reduce some travel, but we're going to have to you know use offsets to, to get to carbon neutral. Really lovely to see you.
1: We covered a few issues, but a few more left on the table for next time. Nice to see you, sir. Carmine nice DiCibio, to- who is the uh, global chairman and CEO at EY. And he took us a few years to stop saying Ernst & Young, didn't it? We're doing very well these days. <laughs> we're in a lot of trouble with EY for many years. Anyway, coming up on the show, Jean-Francois Deco, who is the chairman and co-CEO of JC Deco. What else, Jeff? Uh, well, if
0: you want your own personal excursion to the World Economic Forum at Davos, do make a point of checking out our podcast. Head to cnbc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to have a listen and download today's episode. We'll be right back.
1: The data in this podcast is brought to you by Refinitive, our global data and analytics partner for Squawk Box podcast, A Road to Davos. Refinitive is an open data ecosystem powering the financial markets through an open platform, advanced technologies and deep domain expertise. Learn more at Refinitive.com forward slash Davos.
2: Welcome back to the program. Let's get you a look at how markets are trading overnight in Asia. As you can see here, mainland Chinese stocks are under a bit of pressure this morning. The Shanghai Composite and the Shenzhen both down more than 1%. Some concerns swirling in China around the outbreak of a new strain of pneumonia, which some are comparing to the SARS virus. That is weighing on sentiment there. But overall, a negative trading session coming together in Asia. And this, of course, follows a holiday in the U.S. yesterday. Let's take a look at your And opening call is what we're in for at the start of trade uh, in just a a few hours' time here in Europe. We're looking at a negative start here, in particular for the Italian index, which is indicating a triple digit drop at the open. Corporate earnings in focus here. And of course, global investors eyeing very closely those conversations happening in Davos with world leaders uh, gathering and our very own Steve, Jeff, and the lot over there for us in Davos. And on that note, let's get out to them for their continued coverage, guys.
1: Julian, I don't know if I'm delirious or something, but it doesn't feel so cold, does it? Maybe it's the (laughs) warmth and radiance of our great guests and conversation. I don't feel that cold this year. Anyway, uh, scientists and climate activists are worried about the temperature. uh, They're urging the political and business leaders here in Davos to, quote, stop walking away from the science. Uh, The Unite Behind Science campaign, which was launched at the World Economic Forum yesterday, is demanding every political and business decision be based on the need uh, to keep global warming capped at 1.5 degrees Celsius until the end of the century. They're also calling for an end to all fossil fuel expansion and investments by This year, well, that just ain't going to happen, but that's what they're calling for. Uh, Although climate change may be one of the focal points at this year's World Economic Forum, a poll of business leaders, you'll wait for this, this is extraordinary, a poll of business leaders shows it doesn't even rank amongst the top 10 perceived threats to go. Look at that. Look what they're all worried about. Overregulation. That seems a little bit self-serving to me. Anyway, it's a PwC survey. Uh, 24% were extremely concerned about environmental issues. That lagged way behind, way behind the other risks such as, as I mentioned, overregulation and trade tensions. Uh, We're well, speaking to CNBC.
0: The chairman of PwC, Bob Moritz, said business leaders are seeing the climate challenge more as an opportunity than a threat.
3: The second issue around climate specifically, it is a big challenge. But for this year's survey, we actually saw the opposite, which was the CEO saying it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for differentiation. If, in fact, we can build in climate-related initiatives into our supply chain management, into our customer experience, into the production of of our goods and services, that creates opportunity compared to others because the stakeholders, those that are purchasing, are actually trying to differentiate right now. Likewise, the other group that's differentiating is the employees. We see much more employee activism. So if an organization is not focused on climate, it's less likely they're gonna get the people wanting to join those organizations. I think it's fair to say
1: that Jean-Pascal Tricroix, the chairman and CEO of Schneider Electric, has nailed his colors to the mast. You have called out a lot of people for their hypocrisy as well, Uh, various business, various politicians who are talking a good talk, but just not nearly carrying through uh, as much as they want. Are you using your WEF experience to push hard for people to actually create more action?
4: Yeah, well, I I think anyway, the thing or the movement is existing. There is something happening. Um, Companies are really now directly to fight climate change. Take our case. We've committed to be carbon neutral by 2025, net zero emission by 2030, net zero emission on the total Operational so total supply chain, including our suppliers, by 2050. That's not small project or small ambition because we have 200 factories. We do real products, so it's really a rethinking the way we do things. But what we see is that take an example. Last time I think we were together was during the Climate Week in New York. You had 90 companies large companies, who had decided to go to the 1.5 degree trajectory of the global compact. So, really changing their model to be carbon neutral at a relatively short term. Uh, now, yesterday it was the double. So that movement is really expanding. I think people do it for many, many reasons. The first one is that it makes sense for the economics, because somewhere carbon emissions are the direct reflection of your waste on your inefficiency. So if you can curb them, that means you are becoming a more efficient company. Therefore, you make more money. Uh, mm-hmm. the second point is actually if you want to deal with most advanced customers, if you want to attract the best talents, there is no way you can do it if you are not going into that direction, because the world is becoming unforgiving for that, and that's good, especially the youth. So uh, people are getting attracted to work on that. It works in our direction. We've directed 15 years ago Schneider to lead digital solutions for sustainability and efficiency. So it's really leveraging digital to the cause of carbon reduction, and that is really accelerating today. Let let, let me just
0: ask you a provocative question then. Um, I'm a shareholder, I own your stock, I'm saying why are you spending all your time focusing on these agendas when I actually want you to do more business in China and I want you to drive the stock price through building greater margins and a bigger Bottom line into the business. Um, maybe I should put my money somewhere else. If you guys are just going to spend all your time worrying about the climate,
4: you put your money where you want. But when you put your money somewhere, you're going to try to find a mega trend which is which is fast growing. And this one is a very important one. The second thing is that it's a mega trend which is not going against your profit. It's going for your profit. I mean, when you when you go into circularity, when you go into efficiency, that means you do the same amount of thing for much lesser cost. And by the way. You want me to go to China? Well, China is engaged on that. Of course, nothing is perfect, but everybody, every company, every region has a target for efficiency on carbon reduction. You mentioned and then and, back. On if you want to invest, you don't want a risky investment. You don't want that tomorrow, maybe one third of the business of Schneider would be at risk because it's not a business well, of future. Well, in our sector, you've seen the market of turbines being divided by two in one or two years, right? So that has been brutal. At one stage, trends, mega trends are catching back on so, you.
0: So let's just be clear. here, You're actually saying that investors who put money in companies that don't have these agendas are taking risks that are unnecessary at this point.
4: I don't want to talk in the name of investors, but you've seen clearly there again the movement. You've seen the latest letter of Larry Fink asking clearly for companies to take a strong stand in the direction of sustainability and resource preservation. And it's going exactly in line with the development of digital applied to the Internet of Things. I mean, connecting every object, connecting that to a set of software on digital services, which we've done in our case with Aviva, a company that we've created two years ago. Take Aviva. I mean, two years of history, market cap multiplied by three, entered the FTSE 100 last year. That's one of the examples where being aligned with this trend of looking for more efficiency, sustainability is repaying off.
1: A lot of people are talking about moment of crisis. I've heard it ever since I spoke to Nick Stern, Lord Stern decades ago. You, though, specifically said an event in Barcelona back in September, an event that actually I also attended, that we are at a point of inflection. What do you mean about that? Because a point of inflection that we are at a more of a crisis point for business or for the planet or both.
4: I think we're at a point of inflection because because the trajectory we have for temperature is just mad. I mean, we are directed more to a three to four degrees and it's not at all uh, the right direction. If we want to keep climate in reasonable waters, it has to be at 1.5 degree. So we have to curb that down. So that's one. And before it was theoretical, but you are saying people are not worrying. Speak about insurance company in Australia, in California, I think they do worry. I mean, fires, drought, migration, farming issues, those are major major issues which are very, very practical today. It's also a tipping point because we have good news here. Frankly, there is a change in awareness, especially the youth. Youngsters, great idea this week, and she's a the spare head of the generation that puts green at the top of the agenda. Yep. And, and tipping point, yep. because for the first time, I think we have two technologies which allow us to resolve the problem. But
0: come on, Greta Thunberg is no fan of yours. Uh, as far as she's concerned, the solution is to go back to sail and wind, right? For transportation. There are two competing visions here. One is where technology can help us deal with these challenges. And the other is that we abandon technology and move backwards away from... Uh, the benefits that have been brought by advances in human knowledge around technology. Which one of these competing agendas
4: uh, carries through
0: here? Because Greta Thunberg is getting
4: a lot of support. We meet the fact, or we meet, we meet uh, with, with that movement in, in the fact that we believe we have to change a model. And um, she has her opinion. We are engineers, technicians. We like to bring solutions. And um, we see a world that will be different. It's going to be all electric. It's going to be all digital. That doesn't mean the end of every fossil fuel. We still need them in the future. But much more electricity. The double of electricity respect to where we are today. In in 20 years, that means doubling the amount. But not the same. Renewable decentralized at the bottom of every building of every plant, digital everywhere with a much higher level of efficiency, forget about wasting energy everywhere, digital can can tune it can can reduce it for you on on a mode of electricity which is highly decarbonized. I mean, going going strongly in the direction of renewable. And the good thing with renewable it doesn't need much infrastructure, much capex respect to what you had in the old model. So that's a complete reinvention of the model. And this is where we meet. I mean, they have their solution, we have our solution. I think we need many solutions to skin to skin the cat of weather cha- of climate change.
0: Thank you for
1: listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to CNBC.com
4: or join us